From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. You know, at the beginning, everyone was very excited about additive and, you know, thinking, oh, this could solve all of our problems and wanting to kind of when you had that hammer of additive manufacturing, everything looked like a nail. Right. So everyone was saying, hey, we should print this. And so more times than not, those who were working in the additive manufacturing space at Ford who knew um, a little bit more than the, the rest of um, our um our workforce, it seemed like we had the opposite job of saying, why do you want to print that? You should be injection molding that, or you should be die casting that. That was Ellen Lee. Ellen is the technical leader for additive manufacturing research at the Ford Motor Company, where she focuses on polymer applications. She's responsible for developing AM strategy and technical roadmaps for materials and processes to enable automotive use cases for additive manufacturing. She joins the show today to talk about the process of evaluating emerging technology and the end-to-end process of moving an application through the 3D printing ecosystem. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for joining the show. For the audience who may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I currently work for Ford Motor Company. I'm the technical leader for additive manufacturing in our research organization. So what that means is that Um, I get the fun job of focusing on how Additive can add value to our company um, and support all sorts of cool projects across the enterprise, but really focused on the far term. So I get to kind of play in the sandbox, look at emerging technologies and kind of figure out where the gaps still are um, that we have to um, put Additive manufacturing into, for example, series production applications. Um, So my focus um, is on polymer additive manufacturing, but of course I work with colleagues um, on advancing metal additive, um, uh, additive designs, um, and really interesting applications. So it's a really fun space to be in. And so what was your first introduction to additive? Um, so I've been at Ford for over 20 years, um, all in the research organization. And I started out my career um, developing novel plastic and composite materials. And so about seven or eight years ago, Um, you know, I was aware of our use of additive manufacturing and in the development of new materials, obviously for things like injection molding, you know, it, it, you need a mold or a tool in order to really do a lot of the validation testing. Um, And at the stage that um, you're developing materials, you know, you don't want to have to cut a new tool um, to test it out. And so I started wondering whether or not I could leverage additive manufacturing to do that. Obviously, now knowing something about additive, we know that that was kind of a foolish thought. Um, But that's when I started um, uh, learning about additive manufacturing and then learning about the huge differences that you can get, even with similar types of materials um, that are produced in an additive way versus a conventionally, you know, mass production way. And so those questions really piqued my interest. Um, and being in the research organization, I started to dig up, dig in a little bit more um, about, you know, why things were the, they w- the way they were, what types of materials were um, interesting. And from a materials background, I think it became clear to me that um, for uh, more durable end use applications of additive for um, automotive, that the, the big gap is really in the development of materials that meet our functional requirements. And so that's why um, I started to 
um, engage more and more in additive manufacturing and actually ended up um, starting our dedicated research program in the research organization for additive manufacturing. And so I imagine in your position, kind of knowing the requirements for automotive and specific forward product lines and vehicles, the there's probably a, a big gap, especially early on in kind of what you were getting given from some of the manufacturers and suppliers of 3D printing where, you, okay, maybe you get tensile modulus, maybe a melting point, and that's, that's kind of it. And so um, it's a lot of your job trying to figure out kind of what sorts of testing do we need to, to do on these materials? What do we need to ask for in terms of, kind of specifications from existing vendors, new vendors of the technology? Yeah, exactly. So, so I think you hit the, the nail on the head with um, looking at data sheets and just information for um, properties is one thing. Um, and you do see this a little bit in some conventional manufacturing processes that are very anisotropic, for example, so like composites um, or even in injection molding, especially with highly filled systems. Um, what you get in the data sheet you know, reflects well a very idealized, you know, measurement of performance um, for something that's quite simple. But then when you start thinking about um, the actual geometries and the applications, you're going to, you know, have slightly different um, behavior or performance of that full part. And it really comes through um, even more when you have very anisotropic behavior, which we do in a lot of cases for, for additive. And so I think just understanding exactly what we require from our suppliers, um, both from the material side, as well as from the printing and processing side, um, what we require in terms of what the performance is, how we measure the performance, how we evaluate it. Um, I think that's all new to us in the additive space. So it, it's, um, it's really quite interesting. And I think it's new to a lot of uh, the supply base in additive manufacturing. Um, because, you know, for so long, they've, they've been a, a prototyping technology. Right. right. And as you kind of explore some of these technologies, what has been, I guess, kind of the, the push and pull? Like, do you first look at, okay, we've got laser centering or MJF that gives us nylon 12 and then we're going to look at all our product line to see like what could we replace with that or are you looking at okay what sorts of products could we manufacture would be good theoretical business cases and then trying to hunt down what technology might be a good fit for that yeah I think we've um, we've kind of changed a bit over the years in our approach um, with kind of learning what makes the most sense um, and so I think that, you know, at the beginning, everyone was very excited about additive and, you know, thinking, oh, this could solve all of our problems and wanting to kind of, when you had that hammer of additive manufacturing, everything looked like a nail, right? So everyone was saying, hey, we should print this. And so more times than not, those who were working in the additive manufacturing space at Ford who knew um, a little bit more than the, the rest of um, our, um, our workforce, it seemed like we had the opposite job of saying, why do you want to print that? You should be injection molding that, or you should be die casting that. And um, so I think we, you know, we first took the approach of here are the additive materials and processes and tools that we have. What do we have currently in terms of applications that could use this? 
And that, you know, that kind of turned out to that, that hammer and nail example that I gave. And so after a while, we took a step back and said, let's um, meet with um, our colleagues in product development, in manufacturing, and really understand what their biggest pain points are. What are their biggest challenges in their day-to-day work? And can any of those pain points be addressed with the strengths of additive manufacturing? And so that, um, I think, was a little bit better in terms of um, identifying what the real problems were, and then taking the second step and weeding out, you know, what problems could not be solved by additive, and then ones that could potentially be solved by additive. And then the next step um, that that we would take is, um, okay, this step could in theory be, or this problem could in theory be solved by additive manufacturing. Do we have the technologies or the tools or the materials or the design or you know, whatever it is to execute that? Um, and so the, the nice thing from the research standpoint is if the answer is no, then we know what we should be um, studying and developing. And if the answer is yes, then we support you know, the, the product development team or the manufacturing team to start executing on those. I imagine that's a really cool role to like, at least I would find it really interesting to you get to talk to all these different product groups and learn all these different product lines in a, in a company like Ford. I'm sure there's probably thousands, tons of thousands of product lines that are, are going out. So you get to kind of see the, how the, all the cookies get made in, in right. each of these different, different groups. So that must've been pretty exciting. Yeah. It's a fun space to be in. Um, the problem is that you know, things don't always happen as quickly as we would hope, mm-hmm. right? So like a lot of times the answer is, well, it, it can't really work yet because we have to solve um, these, you know, these issues, A, B, and C. And it does take a while to figure it all out. Um, even when we, we see, you know, a commercialized material and a commercialized um, process and machine, um, there are a lot of details that we usually don't have to think about in conventional manufacturing. So again, with my background being polymers in injection molding, um, we don't have to spend a lot of time making sure that the injection molding machine can work repeatedly and give you, you know, quality products and you know, give you the same thing over and over again. Um, in a lot of cases for, for additive, um, because, you know, part of, part of the um, appeal of the technology is that you have so much freedom to make whatever geometry you want, but then you need to be able to, when you figure out exactly what you want, and we want to make um, production parts that, you know, you have to have the exact same dimensions and performance one after the other. That's a big challenge that, that many have not um, proven that they're able to, to do yet. I mean, they may be able to do it. We just haven't gone through the exercise of validating that. And so there's a lot of extra homework that, that needs to be done. And does that also include kind of, is the idea for once it comes into your group, you're, you've got a number of printers technologies that you're sampling with different parts and kind of getting it to the production level and production readiness. And then is the idea to kind of scale that out to suppliers or kind of keep it in in-house and kind of build that manufacturing in in-house. So you're kind of always ready to, to build the, the next batch of parts. So that's a really good question. I think we're still so early in using additive for production types of applications that we don't know what the, the, you know, supply chain is going to look like in the future. And so 
Um, what we do know is that we need to be smart buyers if it is a you know, complex supply chain. Um, and so it, it makes sense for us to understand all of the aspects and understand that things are um, specified correctly and we, you know, we set our requirements um, correctly. Um, but the, the answer to the question of what the supply is going to look like, um, if we're going to do it internally, you know, vertically integrated, or if we're going to do it externally, or if it's a combination, um, that all falls to what makes the best business sense, right? What we have a business case for. And, and so that is, uh, we're still very early days in it. Um, as you may know, we, we only have a handful of parts that are um, end use production parts, and they're not even, you know, they're not super high volumes, um, which is kind of the, the long-term goal to understand whether we can leverage additive for, for high volume. Right. And part of that too is, I mean, I'm sure that you guys are doing a lot of work with not only kind of end use making the parts, but I imagine you're, you do a lot of work with the actual machine manufacturers and probably the material companies in different contexts. I'm sure like there's the, the huge players of the world that you deal with every day in injection molding that are kind of inching their way into 3D printing, like somewhat different business models, somewhat different kind of requirements on, on the material side. So um, how is it kind of dealing with kind of that end of, of the business and working with, okay, like, hey, can we improve this? Or do you have this material or this price point? Or can you share a little bit there? Yeah, I think um, it, it's really a very interesting space because there's so many new innovations that come out all the time. You know, every day I find out someone has said, have you heard of this company? And, you know, I thought I was pretty good about keeping track of the, you know, the industry and, you know, what was going on. And every day I find out there's like at least five or 10 new companies that I've never heard, or maybe not even that new. And um, so that kind of keeps it really exciting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun to um, talk with these various companies um, and to see how the industry has matured. Um, I think that um, as a whole, everyone's learned a lot more about what's needed in terms of getting to production parts or end use parts um, and how to develop new materials and what the big gaps are. And um, so dealing um, with all of the, the different suppliers in the value chain um, and kind of understanding what where they're coming from and communicating what our unique automotive industry needs are has been, um, I think, very gratifying because in a lot of the other um, more conventional manufacturing processes, a lot of these decisions have already been made. And, you know, a lot of what comes out in terms of new technologies are kind of um, incremental in improvements. Um, but a lot of times um, in this industry, we're seeing like, you know, very disruptive changes and in, in innovations that are kind of cool. Right. And it's also interesting that, I mean, everyone always talks about kind of aerospace and medical and in 3D printing, and then there's been some developments and standards on, on that front, but automotive, it's still, I think there's still parts you can glean from those standards and approaches. You may not need everything, but I'm sure there's a whole host of standards, considerations, just approaches that, that you guys are thinking of that are kind of unique to 
to whatever product line that, that you're using. And it's good to have those conversations out in, in the open, hopefully more than, than they have been. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's funny you mentioned um, aerospace and medical and standards because um, we, we in the automotive industry have been talking with um, U.S. car. So I'm not sure how familiar you are with um, the automotive industry, but um, U.S. car is, um, you know, a, a way that the big three automotive companies in the U.S. Um, are able to collaborate um, pre-competitively. And, you know, last year we got together and we said, you know, we need to join forces and really um, align on com- how we communicate to the additive manufacturing industry, what our needs are and how unique and different they are from the other industries that are seeing um, early success with additive manufacturing, namely the, the aerospace and the medical industries. And so one of the things that we're doing um, kind of related to that is we're putting together some uh, additive manufacturing standards that address some of the unique things that, that we have that, you know, for a couple of years, each of the companies has, I'm sure, been going to the additive manufacturing equipment manufacturers and material suppliers and saying, we need to see X, Y, and Z um, to prove that you can, you know, supply this um, a repeatable process, or you can, the material has good um, batch to batch repeatability. Um, and our specific requirements might be slightly different from one OEM to another. And so what we said was, you know, to help the additive industry um, uh, be a little bit more efficient in responding to our, our demands, um, it would be helpful if we aligned and said, okay, as an automotive industry, we know that we, re- you know, we need this. And so let's align on what exactly it is that we ask them, whatever the format is, so that they only have to do it once and they don't have to do it five different, you know, five different permutations of the basically the same thing. And, and so I think that's been really good to, for us to um, kind of get together and figure out exactly what it is we want to require of the um, OEMs and suppliers um, and then communicate that in a, a very clear manner. Um, and I think that is going to help us to accelerate, um, you know, the adoption. Um, so like one of the, a couple of the things that um, are highlighted in um, the differences between the automotive industry and the others is, you know, scalability and um, what that means for, for additive. Cause we know that throughput is still, you know, a, a challenge for additive manufacturing. You could, you know, injection mold something in like less than a minute um, and, you know, stamping or die casting is kind of similar um, cycle times, but it's much, much longer for an additive part, right? So, um, and that matters quite a bit to us because our volumes are very high and we're, um, maybe orders of magnitude higher in terms of the volumes that re- we require compared to the aerospace industry. But at the same time, you know, so I know that um, there are other industries that are using additive that are quite high volume as well. So like the, um, the uh, consumer goods, you know, they make many, many parts, you know, um, you know, these earbuds that, that we're using. Right. Um, but I think it's a combination of the, high volumes that we have, as well as our very low cost margins. We're very cost sensitive. 
And so that makes a really tough combination for us. Um, and, and especially for something like additive manufacturing, it makes it a, a big challenge for us to address. You know, a lot of times we can, we can meet the mechanical requirements. It's technically feasible to print something um, and have it perform well. Um, but in order to make you know, hundreds of thousands of those parts with a good business case, that's where kind of the, the, the big challenge is for us. Right. And there's probably that other aspect of, I mean, it's not just the printing. There's, okay, how do you validate that each machine was correct? Next, the one printing next to it is the same. And then kind of even thinking through, like, how does inspection look like in, in this? I mean, there's there's analogs. You can do similar inspection, but there might be different things that, that you're looking for when you specify a part as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot of times in um, the, the aerospace industry, there is a significant amount of inspection. Um, but when we have something where we're making hundreds of thousands of parts, we want to have very good built-in quality in that system. And maybe you inspect, you know, every many, many numbers of parts, right? Like you don't inspect every single one. Um, so I, I think that that is a big difference as well that we need to work towards if we hope to have, you know, really high volume scale. And as well, I think in your approach too, at the early days of, of additive, when like the materials are a little bit unknown, the machines are unknown, like the burden of testing ends up falling mostly on, on you guys, right? To do a lot of that. And hopefully with, with some of the, the US car approaches, like the, it's almost shared. I mean, there's always going to be testing you're going to have to do and to validate the geometries and properties and things. But from what I've seen like that ends up, everyone's doing their own silo and trying to figure out what properties they're, they're looking for and what test processes and what specs. And, and so it's, it, it, there's a lot like 90% of it's kind of the same, but like everyone's doing it on their own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's great. So I guess in thinking kind of a little bit different, different step here with um, within Ford and the added manufacturing organization, kind of what, um, how has that grown as kind of a, a group, like what sorts of folks kind of contribute to you know, 3d printing at Ford and what sorts of jobs are there? I mean, I ask this because a lot of the, the listeners that, that we have are kind of excited about the industry and always excited to learn about like, okay, what's, how do you work in there? How do I be able to, to say I, um, 3D printing for a living. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the career paths and in the organization? Sure. So it it has grown quite a bit. Um, In the late 80s, we started using additive manufacturing like a lot of other um, companies for prototyping. And so one area is, you know, continued use of additive for um, prototyping for visuals, fit and finish, um, even functional testing of prototype parts. Um, So we have um, five facilities um, across the globe to support those types of um, engineering validation um, activities. Um, And there are several at each of those facilities that support the printing work. So it's a lot of hands-on. It includes not only printing, but other um, methods of making rapid prototype parts. Um, so, So that is a, those facilities are quite busy. Um, And then we have our advanced manufacturing center, 
um, that was opened a couple of years ago. Um, that's, you know, they do support a lot of the um, engineering um, validation prototyping type work, but it's also the facility that we have most of our um, kind of latest and greatest additive, um, a lot of emerging technologies um, will be located there for evaluations. Um, we'll do a lot of kind of early prove outs. Um, and it's a, it's a great facility because um, it not only includes the additive manufacturing equipment, but other advanced manufacturing um, technologies um, so that you know, we're ready to kind of integrate them all together in the factory of the future. Um, so in that facility, um, there, we're really kind of pushing the envelope a little bit more in what the art of the possible is in terms of use of additive manufacturing and, you know, combining it with automation and collaborative robots and things like that. Um, and so that's kind of a um, a really exciting area to be in terms of operations. How do you actually make the things and make them work. Um, and then we have um, in our product development organization, we have, um, it, it's, a, it's, it's not a dedicated additive team, but there are um, dedicated additive manufacturing um, focused engineers who um, work within their teams um, on specific you know, either um, vehicle programs or on um, specific uh, components of the, of the vehicle. Um, and so they're kind of thinking about how we can leverage the use of additive um, in the design. So um, most of the activity, I'll say, because we are early days, is really focused on some of the low volume opportunities. So teams like our Ford Performance colleagues who work on the performance vehicles that necessarily have a lower volume um, number of vehicles per year, um, they do quite a bit of work um, with additive technologies um, in collaboration with other skill teams. Um, so, and then in our research organization, I'd say that's where we'll find the largest number um, of folks who are focused on using additive manufacturing. So it's grown quite a bit in the last couple of years in that um, we now have um, dedicated additive researchers uh, working in the polymer space where I am, as well as in the metals additive space. And then we also have um, folks that are focused on design. So how do we leverage the design freedoms of additive manufacturing? Um, but looking at kind of the, um, the, the far-term kind of research um, ideas um, and supporting um, our, our teams in product development. And then we have um, teams in our simulation group and CAE to really develop um, how do we get good predictive models of um, you know, the additive materials and processes. Um, and then we have a team that's focused on applications. So again, that, that team focuses quite a bit on um, interfacing with our product development folks, um, but they really are kind of on the farther term types of applications of additive than um, in our product development organization. So I think there's, you know, all aspects that 
at least that I can think of, of additive manufacturing um, are kind of covered within the company. So there's a, a lot of opportunities and, and we are kind of growing um, those, those efforts. Awesome. And you mentioned factory of the future. How do you see additive manufacturing in, in that context? Is that kind of the digital thread kind of distributed manufacturing? Is it kind of on-demand production? Where does 3D printing fall into that conversation? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think um, in the very early days of talking about additive manufacturing at Ford, um, people always talked about it as a replacement um, of injection molding or die casting or something. And um, really what, to make it work, um, it's really should be integrated into the factory with other manufacturing processes. And in a lot of cases, you know, you're, we're seeing um, a lot of technologies that are hybrid processes that combine additive and another kind of more mass um, mass manufacturing type of technology. Um, but I think for additive specifically, um, in the future, I think all of the things that you mentioned um, really leverage the the strengths of additive. So getting to a distributed manufacturing scenario, um, I think is um, quite interesting and it, it, it allows us to leverage, you know, additive strengths um, and kind of helps to reduce transportation costs, reduces time, reduces inventory. Um, those are all things that, you know, we think that additive could potentially have, play a part in um, if we can solve the, the big challenges. Um, but the, the digital, um, direct digital manufacturing part, I think is, is something that we're, um, currently doing to develop the framework to support it, right? So though that comes into play, not only for additive, but other manufacturing technologies as well. And so that's an in, integral part of, you know, advanced manufacturing or the factory of the future. Right. And as you think about kind of the factory of the future, what's, um, kind of what else going into 2021 are, are you excited about in terms of, of additive, additive at four, industry in general? Um, are there things on your radar that are, are exciting to, to kind of keep moving the ball forward? Yeah, I think um, the, the areas that would be quite helpful um, in the big challenges for additive are um, automation and, um, and collaborative robots and AGVs. Those are things that you know, we are actively looking at and could help um, with the throughput um, and with the quality um, of additive components. Um, so, you know, this idea of using automation to kind of get to this lights out um, manufacturing um, can really help with the throughput, right? And, and the cost um, can also come down if we're not depending on, on labor, on, you know, people to have to do all of these jobs that could be done by automation, and they could focus on some of the, the more complex things. Um, and then the other area that I think could be very helpful and is uh, very exciting is um, the whole space of using um, data, data analytics and uh, machine learning and AI. Um, a, a lot of, you know, the additive processes are quite complex. There's a lot of things to kind of consider to optimize the system, um, you know, uh, making sure that you can detect errors and things like that, because we, we know that a lot of the additive processes take a long time. And you know, if you get to though, the right? top layer and then there's a big <laughs> failure, then, you know, so, so if we can use a lot of those data-driven 
techniques to, to help optimize and to reduce failures and things like that. I think that would be very helpful as well. And we're, we're seeing, you know, a lot of cases where we, we're, we're starting to implement AI um, types of um, improvements for other processes. So combining them with additive um, can give you kind of that, that added benefit. So being one of the leaders in the additive manufacturing industry, kind of what advice would you give folks that are kind of up and coming, growing their careers in the space, having looked back at, at your own career? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think the, what I would say, and I've been lucky in this regard, is to pick an area that um, you're passionate about. Um, because that allows you to kind of dig in and to really ask the questions and to be curious and, and to enjoy yourself in, in your job. Um, I, I think the, the thing to remember in um, developing the workforce um, is that uh, it's, a, it's a benefit for us because the incoming workforce doesn't have bad habits yet. And that's one of the biggest challenges that, that we have with um, implementing some of these new technologies. People always fall back to their old habits of how they design something or, you know, the, the guidelines that they use. And a, a lot of times, especially with that in manufacturing, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be using um, those old rules. Um, so I, I think for the, the incoming um, workforce, um, I think, just understanding um, what is needed in industry, if that's the way that they, they wanna go or in academia, what the big questions are. Um, and, and I think the best way to do that is to get some experience. So internships or um, you know, interactions or shadowing, um, those types of opportunity are, are very, very helpful in you know, helping you decide what it is that you're interested in and what you're passionate about. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So Ellen, thank you so much for joining the show today. Uh, hopefully we'll see you in person one of these days and in the conference. I hope something. so. <laughs> so well, well, thank you for your time. It was great talking with you. Thank you so much. All right.